Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. And it is Share the Show Tuesday, where we ask our listeners to share the show on social media or with individuals whom they believe are either ready to let the scales drop from their eyes or are so sick of mainstream media crap that they've completely lost touch with the news, but they kind of feel like they should stay informed. We will pull back the curtain. We'll sort through the crap. We'll bring you the stories that we think are important and tell you why they're important. They're not out there in the world because they're not important. It's just that when the mainstream media tells you what to think or the conclusions to draw, that's the manipulation. So we try to figure out why they're giving us these stories and what they really mean. And there's a new feature we're going to add to Tuesday, which is uh, was inspired by Greg Carwood of the Higher Side Chats, reached out to some like-minded podcasters and told us about his new meetup page where his listeners are organizing meetups all around the world, kind of no agenda style. And he thought there's a lot of overlap between um, most of us, I guess, on the Union of the Unwanted. So I thought it would be great for us to take him up on that. And I'll tell you at the beginning of the show on Tuesdays, the cities where the meetups are going to be. And at the end of the show, I'll tell you where those meetups are. And I, and I might throw in, I can't remember, but I might throw in the no agenda ones too, because I do think a lot, there are similar listeners and I'm assuming they would like it and not dislike it. So let me know if you think that's not a good idea. Um, but yes, yeah, so if you know people in Maine, Missouri, Alabama, Florida, or the Netherlands, then you can share the show with them today. And at the end of this show, we will tell you, uh, I think there might even be one in the UK coming up. We will tell you where to go for the meetups this coming weekend. So I think that's pretty cool. So we'll do that. Share the show with people you know in those places. And uh, also this weekend, this Friday, is our disappearing patron party. So if you are a party level patron and want to join us, keep an eye on your email. I'll send out the link. It's for eight o'clock Eastern on Friday. And we just hang around for a couple of hours, have some fun. It really is an absolute blast. And we might have a surprise guest or two. I don't know. It's a pop in situation. So we shall see. All right. Now there's something I really want to tell you about. This is the first story. So you've heard of this Elizabeth Holmes and the Theranos blood testing company. That's been all over the news, right? Yeah. Okay. So a while ago, years ago, actually, now it was all over the Wall Street Journal. And I remember my husband saying, like, why is the Wall Street Journal after this chick so hard? It's just really crazy. And not long after that, and it was purely the Wall Street Journal, they were just taking her down. And at some point, there was a huge article in the journal that talked about how George Schultz's grandson, I think it was, was working there and was horrified at their unethical practices, even to the point of falsifying tests. That was his main complaint, if I recall correctly. And he went on to to uh, tell his grandfather, George Schultz, who blew him off 
told him to pipe down, I guess. That was kind of what I got out of the Wall Street Journal article and continued to toast and host Elizabeth Holmes. So this kid wouldn't give up. And I guess he just brought the whole house of cards down. Well, we've noticed this before in my house that if you cross Rupert Murdoch, it's over. So he just did not stop until he brought her down. And as and so yesterday, I guess it was, or maybe the day before, and I think it was yesterday, it came out that she was convicted, I think, on four cases, uh, four charges of investor fraud, not on patient fraud. So I guess they didn't get her on that. But she may fa- uh, face up to 20 years in prison, as well as a, fa- a fine of $250,000, but also restitution. And at a certain point, she was worth billions. So I dug in a teeny bit about so the biggest thing she did so i didn't know how bad it was if it was just blustering big talk or what but apparently she told investors about negotiations they were in with the army and with pfizer neither of which were true and and she certainly made some implications about the efficacy of her product that were not true although it, she wasn't like out and out lying she was like squirrely so what was interesting to me about it, I looked in, I was looking into her story a little bit and apparently I knew she was like one of these dropouts, right? So she was, she wore the, the Steve Jobs black turtleneck. She dropped out of Stanford and people just loved that because she was a chick. So they were like, wow, she can be one of the BSDs and she's a chick. Like she's our hero. Everybody loved her. And in these articles that they didn't even the, the article I read, I think, on CNN just yesterday did not actually name names of the two defense secretaries and two secretaries of state who were on her board. And I, I thought that was weird. They're just leaving these guys names out of it, although I had remembered a few of them from that Wall Street Journal article. And they and and the argument was she used all this big name power to sell investors. And I absolutely think that's how it works. That's why when Devin Archer kind of gets away with fraud for dropping Hunter Biden's name and then Hunter Biden's like, I had nothing to do with it. When you lend your name to somebody or allow them to use it, it can really have an impact on investors. So I thought, how did she even know these people? She dropped out at 19. She started this company at 19. I mean, wow. So... I go to Wiki Early Life. Occasionally, you can get a little something there. Listen to this. Her father, whose name was Christian Rasmus Holmes IV, he was apparently a Fleischmann's yeast heir of an heir of an heir. Uh, He was a vice president at Enron. Enron is in the books as the most, uh, the biggest, one of the biggest falls of all time due to accounting fraud. That's her, Elizabeth Holmes' father. Now, a vice president like at a bank is not that big, but I think a vice president at a corporation is kind of big. Later, later, after that, and I'm not saying he was responsible there, but who knows what kind of culture. It certainly did seem to be a culture of playing fast and loose with the facts and the laws. After that, he held executive positions in government agencies including USAID, which is a CIA front operation, as we all know, or as I think we've all kind of, I've found evidence of that, I believe, like articles in the New York Times. So people say they do good work. I think they do. 
that's what a front is. <laughs> so the EPA and the U.S. Trade and Development Agency, which also has a lot of potential for um, palm greasing. So uh, her mother was a congressional committee staffer. So these people were deep. That's, I mean, this thing... No wonder George Schultz was like, yeah, yeah, keep your mouth shut, kid. You know, they this, I think, is more par for the course than what? And I believe that it's just because she crossed Rupert Murdoch that she went down in absolute flames. But she got her start. This is the one that I thought was the absolute kicker. This is somebody who's going down to jail for test blood testing fraud. She got her start at the end of her freshman year working in a laboratory at the Genome Institute of Singapore, uh, where she was testing for SARS-CoV-1 through the collection of blood samples. <laughs> so she was into COVID testing, and that was her entree into the world of, of blood testing. I thought that was a lot of interesting backstory. The, the they secretary's- should convict all of them for this blood fraud testing. Well, let's uh, it'll never happen unless somebody gets Rupert Murdoch to invest. But the people who were on the board, the secretaries of state were Kissinger and Schultz and the defense secretaries were James Mattis and William Perry. So those guys were and there were other people, too. Uh, Anyway, I just thought you don't I didn't I haven't heard that stuff splashed across the headlines. All I've seen is, oh, maybe this will be a lesson to Silicon Valley for um all their bluster and maybe they'll tone it down a little bit. Maybe they will, but I think she's a rare breed, highly connected. And, uh, I just think these people were behind her. She was probably face job. I, I'd be surprised if she gets a lot of jail time, but yeah, I was going to say she might know some stuff about some big names if she was involved with that kind of thing. So if they don't want her to spill the beans, yeah, they can maybe. maybe give her the booster or perhaps we can, <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't, I, my guess is she'll get whatever sentence she gets, but she, she, it'll be easy time and she won't probably have to serve. Just like Ghislaine Maxwell, who probably has to worry about getting two boosts to the back of the head right now. What was the story with her? She got convicted. She got convicted and she's facing up to, I think like 65 years. Don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm just remembering from the story over the holidays, but the judge the judge said to make sure she gets the booster. No way. Yeah, in jail. So the judge was really adamant about that. And it just made me think of the lawyer that worked with the Clintons. Just watch out for the two boosts to the back of the head for (laughs) Maxwell. Well, I do just on a note on, on Maxwell. So her father disappeared, supposedly died or was killed or whatever off, off his boat, but you never saw him. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we ever saw his body. So then when Epstein didn't kill himself. You, you did see his body. So that looks authentic, but I absolutely don't think that you can tell from two dimensional images anymore at all. So we have no idea if he's dead or not. We haven't seen her in years. So I don't know if these people have really disappeared or if they're uh, on some Lolita Island somewhere. I really do not know, but that I don't believe anything about any of those Maxwell Epstein stories. Yeah, I don't either. They keep leaking out. I might bring one tomorrow. What I thought was interesting about the Elizabeth Holmes case, there was a lot of stuff that was interesting about it, was the way the lawyers tried to soften her image to the jury. One of the things they did early on in the trial was they requested to have the judge allow her not 
to wear a mask. It would make her the only person not wearing a mask. There were people sitting behind jurors, prosecutors, defense lawyers behind plexiglass and wearing a mask, yet they wanted her to not wear a mask. The judge did not grant it for the entire trial. She did not have to wear a mask during when she was up on the stand, and the lawyer could take it off when she was on the stand as well. But she looks better. They made her look not as fierce because when she was creating this business, she spoke with a deep voice. She wore all black. She tried to make herself somewhat manly and intimidating. Here is a different story. Not as much dark black. They put a lot of blue, blue mask, blue coloring. That's a trusting color in psychology. That's why you see a lot of blue on television is because, you know, they trust me. I'm wearing this solid blue tie, stuff like that. They, her mask were blue and, so as the trial went on, here's she was wearing a work dress and jacket, jacket skirt suit, and grays, blues, or greens with a green or blue mask. She arrived each day to court walking hand in hand with either her mother or her partner. So they're showing her with her mom and her partner, her family. And when she took the stand, a group of friends and family were sitting behind her, and her father was seen in the courtroom. And they talked about, of course, the relationship stuff with that guy and her baby. I mean, it's almost to the point where it's like, Judge, can can I have Elizabeth Holmes sit in a thong bikini and nurse her baby <laughs> in front of the juror? Because they're just I, trying to win points with the juror. I wouldn't be surprised if she had a baby just to... Just to soften that image. It feels kind of irresponsible to have a baby when you're really facing jail. And did they mention in that article, I think I heard that friends of hers went and sat in her black turtleneck outfit with a white with a blonde bun at the nape of their necks you know i didn't see that but it wouldn't surprise me they were very much trying to project an image that this is not what you've heard about her is not who she is she is this innocent sweet pretty woman who just had a baby and is being persecuted to the jury it doesn't seem like it worked too well well i wouldn't fall for that at all (laughs) not at all you're gonna need a lot of guys who are attracted to blondes on the jury for that to work i think yeah it was a mixed jury i think so alexa and not, not alexa just all these new technologies we've seen emerge over the past couple of years we have this learning curve we we can't predict all of the side effects of the possible uh, bad things that could happen with technology, or at least they say they can't predict some of them. Some of them maybe they might be familiar with, but Amazon Alexa, the smart speaker and the Echo, which uses Alexa, kind of has a rich history of unanticipated issues that pop up from using it. Now, we have a new unanticipated issue that has popped up with Alexa and that is that Alexa told a kid to do something that could possibly have killed the kid whoa this was a couple days ago here's what happened a 10 year old girl asked her family's Amazon Echo to suggest an exercise this weekend she said can you suggest an exercise this weekend Alexa She and her mom had been trying to stay active while because they've been cooped up inside and they've been doing physical challenges instructed by a physical education teacher on YouTube. So the girl asked the Echo for another exercise to do, and it gave her one. It gave her a new type of challenge. The smart assistant told her to plug in a charger about halfway into a wall outlet, then touch a penny to the exposed prongs. Why the hell? What? 
the mom, she took a screenshot of the response. At first, no I was like, way. I don't know if I believe that. So yeah. I guess the Echo transcribes what it says as well, and she showed a screenshot of it. So it seems like this is true. I don't 100%. I think this could be manipulated, well, but it does seem true. It could be just, I mean, there have to be human beings who write, who have some way of contributing to some of this stuff. Well, right? what it does is, here's what it does. does. It she said, tell me, a ch- tell me, a ch- okay, the, the image says this, the screen image that she showed of the transcript. Tell me a challenge. That's what the girl said. Below that, it says, here's something I found on the web. This is Alexa. According to ourcommunitynow.com, the challenge is simple. Plug in a phone charger about halfway into the wall, then touch a penny to the exposed prongs. Then there was a hyperlink at the bottom that said, learn more on ourcommunitynow.com. So it even directed her to a link to learn more. But what it does is it scours the internet for stories and news related to challenges that people are doing. And it's funny because this article tries to blame the news website for covering TikTok challenges irresponsibly. The Penny Challenge was a TikTok challenge where kids were doing this and they were showing videos of outlets that were burned. There's there's stories of houses catching fire and kids getting knocked out. I mean, they could die. They could have a heart attack doing this. So there some bad things happened to some people and this news website covered this and Alexa scoured it and took this challenge that kids were doing and gave this challenge to a kid asking it for a challenge. There is definitely uh, an underlying agenda here, and that is to censor news coverage to make it seem like, you know, words can kill you. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words can kill you. And so then they can start censoring everything. Now, I would say that if you roll it back to where they've been covering school shootings 100% of the time, night and day, that might be something that I, I don't believe in the censorship element, but you could say that is something that we would never cover. And actually, if you roll it back to the beginning of this kind of media, there were certain standards. Uh, people, you would look down on a journalist who went for the sensational. There was a lot of sensationalism, too. But for like a real journalist, my mother would always say, like, you don't have to cover that. It's not important. Like, that's a personal thing of that person. And there, I even saw Peter Schiff on a show once where somebody tried to bring up his father and another of the journalists said, hey, that's personal. And they all were like, okay, like they wouldn't do it. So, and this just reminds me of one little point somebody made about, I think we're talking about guns and drugs and a lot of things where if you um, eliminate it from society, if it emerges organically, somebody invents guns, cars, whatever people like do this stuff, they, and they know how to use hemp and all that. If you remove it from society and then re-inject it after there's no uh, memory of it, um, no cultural element to it in our upbringing, then you just don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to handle it. You have to reintroduce understanding how to handle it. But it gives a perfect opportunity for the government to say, oh, we need to regulate. Right, like driving in the future when nobody knows how to drive anymore. If it ever gets reintroduced, people won't yes. know how to do any of it at all. Yeah. What's funny about this story is Amazon came out and they had with their statement, they said, customer trust is at the center of everything we do. And Alexa is designed to provide accurate, relevant, helpful instructions to customers. And as soon as they became aware of the error, they quickly fixed it. And as of December 27th, this is being reported by people who have attempted to do this. I haven't tried it, but people have said this and they've posted the screenshots and stuff. 
if you say to Alexa, tell me a challenge like the girl did, Alexa has gone silent. It will not respond to you. It's giving you the silent treatment. It's almost like Alexa saying, you know what? You wanted a challenge, bitch, and I gave one to you. <laughs> Alexa should say, could you be more specific? Right. Instead of kill yourself, which is basically what it said. Yeah, just be more specific, and then you can give a challenge. Alexa, give me a challenge. Well, kill yeah, yourself, run kid. Run around the block. Right. Exactly. So unanticipated, perhaps, maybe not so unanticipated consequences of these smart devices as we know, and I'll be covering this throughout the week, is we are now just two days away from the one-year anniversary of the darkest day in American history, January 6th. Everybody is just anticipating this very difficult day that we are going to have, and Congress is going to be commemorating this day with a series of events. And I just want to give you some of the events that is go- that are going to be happening in case you want to watch, maybe attend, uh, to help you get through the very tough day. And this is from a press release that was put out by Speaker Pelosi's team outlining what will be going on on Thursday. The House will not be in session. Instead, there will be a full program of events intended as an observ- observance of observance of reflection, remembrance, and recommitment in a spirit of unity, patriotism, and prayerfulness. So they're kind of getting a holiday to go do this little story that they're creating, trying to put in the public's mind. All of the events will be live streamed so the members can watch and participate or be propagandized is the way that I think is going to be doing. And the commemoration kicks off at noon on the House floor with a prayer and a pledge. It's going to be a statement from the chair and a moment of silence on the House floor. Then at 1 p.m., we get what's called historic perspective, a conversation between historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, MSNBC contributor, to establish and preserve the narrative of January 6th. <laughs> wow. Gosh, read that again. That yeah, is amazing. That's what, a, it's called a historic perspective, a conversation between historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham to establish and preserve the narrative of January 6th. That's this is what I say when I'm like, you read the more what I call hote propaganda, like the more you go up into like it used to be the Atlantic, but they're kind of fallen. Then you the foreign affairs magazine, the way they say things, they act like it's just like when they put it, if they say it openly or in a nice tone of voice, it's as if it's not obvious what they're saying. It's not as they're saying now. It's not the quiet part out loud. You know, like they said, the quiet part out loud. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> because they establishing a narrative and preserving a narrative. That is propaganda. That is propaganda. Absolutely expressly divo- uh, dis- divorced from the truth. This like is, whether it's truth or not, it doesn't matter. This is like, if you have one of those army manuals or one of those narrative warfare instructional manuals and say, here's how to conduct narrative warfare, these are the examples that you plug in to your outline of a program of narrative warfare. This is establishing in the minds it's, of the audience the false reality of what happened, completely, like you said, disconnected from what actually happened. It, it has triggered me of like the le- that just reading those words, the last probably three Rockfin deep dives that you've triggered me at, like, right? Because you have the Ajit Man and her narrative, and you have the CIA chick who is apparently, (laughs) 
decided to go to Facebook for political censorship, speaking in that extremely erudite way about how I feel really bad for people who see facts differently or have conclusions that are different. You know, they have the same facts, but they draw different conclusions and I feel bad for them and we should put them in jail. Yeah. And this <laughs> this historical perspective is being moderated by a guy who has been given awards by the Anti-Defamation League, who is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Who? John Meacham. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I've heard those names, both of those names before. This guy's on MSNBC all the time. John I don't, Meacham. Yeah, I don't know anything about the woman. But I doubt that she has an unbiased opinion. So they're going to be just pu- – this is just a dramatic storytelling play is essentially what they're doing here. And after we get that Congress-themed drama, that lie, at 2.30 in the Cannon Caucus Room, members will share their reflections of that fateful day. This will be a series of testimonials from lawmakers about their experiences during the Capitol attack, and it will be moderated by Representative Jason Crow. So they're going to be telling their firsthand testimonials. This is like an infomercial from Congress that they're going to be trying to scare people and creating that false reality again. I really think if they want to make people really feel what, what happened or what they want them to believe that happened, they should go all the way with it and just do live reenactments that people can come to the Capitol and they can experience from different perspectives of the players. You know, maybe you can do the AOC experience where when you are in your office across the street, an army of MAGA red hats come rape their way through the building until they finally have their way with her, leaving her to her last breath before she's saved by Joe Biden or whatever experience. And I bet that ultimately down the road, as this fiction continues to concrete in people's heads, that they might even do something like that. Or bobbleheads, you know? Oh, yeah. There was a, used to be a really fantastic Imperial War Museum in England, although it's not good now, but it had the World War I trench warfare experience, and literally, it fucking smelled like piss. Yeah, right. No, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I could see this happening in a few years if this continues to take hold, and I guarantee you there will be commemorative coins, pieces, collector's items. The VR ideas like yes yes. experience january 6th there's no doubt that's gonna happen it might already be happening i'm gonna look for that actually that's a great (laughs) that's a great thought and it's not a great thought but it's a clever insight (laughs) their commitment to this propaganda is admirable i have to say that they definitely are committed i uh i got a really nice message from someone who said like it makes me feel it makes me feel bad that i enjoy listening to your show and it cheers me up and i think it's because we get to laugh at this crap. They don't they have they don't have our minds or our souls like they they get control the media mostly. But I mean, they're preposterous and we should laugh at them. Totally. I, I would. I mean, I think I could probably write if I spent a couple hours, I could write a little commercial for a live reenactment. Come experience a live reenactment of January 6th. What happened on that fateful day? And oh, for sure. Can- and given that people can't tell the difference between reality or not, you're going to get people who really actually remember. If you're very tired, I think there are times when, oh, we've talked about this before. Like, did Dan Aykroyd play Jimmy Carter on SNL or was it actually <laughs> Jimmy Carter talking that kid down? from from his orange sunshine. Exactly. And before we get to that final story today, one last event they'll be doing at 5.30. Of course, it is going to be headlined by Biden and Harris speaking, but at 5.30, there will be a prayer vigil where where members of the House and Senate will join in an 
observance of that day in prayer and music. And the prayer vigil vigil will be held at the center steps of the U.S. Capitol where it happened. Wow, that's chilling. Scary, scary. All right. Before we get to that deepest dive of the day, which is going to be about setting up perverse incentives and moral hazards in policing, I want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the XR, which is how Americans feel about leaving their Christmas decorations up into February. Interesting findings here. And (laughs) is a sonic boom coming to a sky near you? I also want to thank our sponsor of today's show, which is True Hemp Science. That is TrueHempScience.com. They have promo code, prop code. True Hemp Science are your CBD experts. What makes True Hemp Science different is that they create handcraft quality full spectrum CBD products by sourcing the highest grade hemp from around the world. I love the Acapulco Gold Lotion with hemp extract. I've actually started using some of the hemp drops that he sent yeah, me after CBD we did oil. the hemp cast. Yeah, the CBD yeah. drops because I, I really did learn a lot on that hemp cast. They answered a lot of my questions. Aviva, Christopher, it was fantastic. And I think that's just in premium right now, but we should make it. You know what? Let's do this. Let's put the hemp cast in the free feed on locals. Propreport.locals.com. It'll be the only place I think you can get it free. Okay, yeah, we can do that. There's a lot of great information there. And what's really great about them is they are pros. They know their stuff. And if you contact them and you have questions, they will give you personal responses that help your, you know, cater to your needs. They've definitely helped me out a lot. So check them out. TrueHimScience.com slash PropReport. Prop code is that coupon code. Also, Check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash propaganda report. You can test us out at the basic truth sponge level. It's $7 and you get all of our patron exclusive content. The patron 15 where we continue or the DMBXR where we continue the drive time news blast. Let our hair down a little bit. So you'll end up getting 50 minutes of commercial free content every single day. We also offer different things at different tiers. Select patron only interviews, guest appearances with Monica and I. Patron only mini Q&As. We have the DPPs, which we have one coming up on Friday, which are always fun virtual parties, and they disappear for a reason, and access to the <laughs> best-looking community on Patreon. So check that out. But at- you don't get to see the anybody but us on the DPP. Some people think that it's like the Zoom party. Patreon yes, saints. That's not only fans over here. We're not All having on people. The screens. Right. Yes, 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 but I've seen a lot of the people. We've seen them at live meetups. Oh, best-looking yeah. community. You're going to find it goes hand in hand with all the natural products people have sent us. Listeners have sent us. They're all like super, you know, healthful. Totally. And I feel like that comes out in there. Yeah, it's a highly engaging and highly interactive community where you can (laughs) have great conversations and get a lot of insight. With that said, on to our deepest dive of the day. Okay, so I've been thinking about this. There was something we talked about before the break, how the Capitol Police Chief is permitted now to unilaterally call in the National Guard. And we talked about a couple months before that, how the Capitol Police, which they have a really um, expanded kind of powers. They're they're considered badass or scary, whatever. I think they opened offices in maybe Florida and California. So that's weird. And it seems like the nugget of... 
the federal or the germ for a federal police force where maybe they just do interactives with the local police force to make it appear like there's decentralization, but like the media, it's just an appearance. And that is true for the international and national associations of police chiefs, of model laws, where it looks like your legislature passed a law, but that law was basically handed down from, you know, Apollo or whatever. Apollo, not meaning the god, but I guess that's probably why they call it that. But isn't that like the Soros-related thing? I don't know. Um, Maybe it's not Apollo, but I think it is. But anyway, so other things that are happening with policing are a big move from the defund police thing, which I also think is just a way to have a vacuum where federal money will come down. And you can see with uh, how... Even the vaccine mandate that Southwest Airlines had to deal with, they got 3% of their revenue from the government and the government said, well, because of that, you have to mandate the vaccine for your employees. Like when the government is paying, the federal government's paying for stuff, the federal government is the one who's going to call the tune. So there are a lot of movements towards reforming the police and kind of federalizing it. And one of the things that also came out of that was separating out like the SWAT function from the... Uh, mental health function. And we had a tweet who very smartly said, if you do that, then every time you call the cops, you're getting a SWAT team. You know, that's what you're doing. But I had the uh, other in the other side of that coin. It occurred to me is, okay, so say you don't make that call. Say you make, because you can also make a red flag call for somebody who has a gun, a person you don't like has a gun, or somebody you had a, an argument with and you want to disarm that person because you're in danger. Um, or maybe you call, maybe there'll be, and I think there might actually be where you can call separately. You can call and say, it's a psych call. So if you really separate out those functions, you can make the the decision before you make the call. So the first person to get to the phone, if you're having an argument, really want to take something out on somebody. If you call the psych one, there's actually less protections for you. They can take you away for a few days. There's I, I um another great tweet told me about Thomas Zaz, who was a psychiatrist, and he said they that you don't have the due process that a that an accused murderer has when you're dealing with mental health issues. And um and I was thinking when if you've got local cops who actually care about you, like care about the impression you they make on you, because the smaller the community, the more accountability there is there. And I'm not saying I approve of this system as it is. I'm an anarchist. I believe society is self-ordering. I think, like I was saying before, if you get in touch with the roots of self-defense and property rights and all that stuff, like the more government we add, the more we get divorced from this natural condition, which I think is closer to liberty and justice. But what we have right now is closer, as flawed as it is, than it will be if it's federalized and specialized. So when you think about when people have specialized tasks, that whole thing, every if you're a hammer, everything is a nail. If you start specializing so where every one person will see only psych cases and one person will see only violent cases, You'll not only make that call, but when you make that call, you are guaranteeing a certain outcome. Whereas when you have, because it's a civic role. So Charlotte Iserbite and her fantastic interview, I think, was one of the things that, that got me turned on to Alex Jones way back in the day. 
she was talking about education and Adam Smith said the same same thing where you can't have soldiers or teachers or people or voters or anything who aren't well-rounded. I think Adam Smith and Eisenberg were also into like public education, believe it or not. And if you don't have that holistic person, that's why she objected to STEAM and STEM. She's like, you can't understand civics if you're not a well-rounded person. That's why they call it the liberal arts. It was only for free men. They did not want the slaves understanding civics. And if you start specializing these people that you have given all this authority to and are really not bound by the due process in the Constitution like we they should be, then then you you're going to start. They already talked about getting incentives to get people to use red flag laws. We've seen asset forfeiture where they can take your stuff away. They give incentives to the police forces to take the stuff away. Uh, without ever having a conviction. So I just wanted to look into this a little bit, but because it's not obvious whether it would be better or worse to separate out those functions. And I, I believe that it's worse and I'm uh, soliciting feedback too. If people want to contact me in any of the many ways that I can be contacted, I think I'd be interested in, in other people's thoughts on it. Yours, especially Brad. That's interesting. The mental health thing is definitely coming into play. I don't have all of the details of this story. I was going to bring the full details tomorrow, but from what I know of it, so the NBA and they do they focus on social justice issues. They feature those. They're a mouthpiece for that agenda. The NFL does not delve into that as much, but what the NFL does feature and maybe it's indirectly, but maybe on purpose is mental health issues. So we have the CTE stuff that we see that a lot. But this season what we have seen is we've seen players quit in the middle of the season due to what is called mental health problems. Just this like past weekend Biles. a player stopped, a player quit during the game. A Tampa Bay Buccaneer player during the game took his jersey off and oh, left. Yeah. And this is being talked about as a mental health issue. The Fal- a Falcons player, their best wide receiver, he practiced with the team all week earlier this year. They were about to play a game. He's Really, their only mate, their only generator of big offensive plays just before the game one Sunday said he wasn't playing and it's a mental health thing and he has not been back since. We're seeing this pop up a lot in the NFL as a subject of conversation. Those are authentic. I think maybe. I think the players can be convinced that they should do that. I think that there have been a lot of policies and cultural changes that have really eroded people's ability to deal with stuff. And I think cognitive dissonance may be at the heart of it. Um, So TikTok or I think TikTok is they they couldn't figure out how to get to girls when they got to boys with porn. So they invented TikTok. Man, that that thing is. It does the same thing. I think it really erodes the psyche. I have to say one thing about the cop situation my experience i had a lot of experience with cops from my brothers and sisters who are on drugs and eventually would lose their minds i had a couple of that one sister was committed briefly for suicide attempts whatever it's a long story um but there were there were also a lot of drugs and uh crimes so i've seen cops in my town come to my house for a variety of reasons and when they came for someone who was acting crazy on drugs or any of that, they were pretty good. And when they came because somebody was committing crimes and dealing drugs out of the house, they were take no prisoners like or they were taking prisoners, actually. But, you know, they were really uh, aggressive and brutal. And I'm not a fan of drug laws, so I wasn't OK with that. But 
their demeanor was very, very different when they were dealing with, you know, so they're, I, so, and your experience as somebody who lives in a really high crime neighborhood or really druggy neighborhood, you might have cops who always do come in guns ablazing. Or, you know what I mean? So I really don't want to speak to other people's experiences. And I was drawing from my own in my analysis of this. But um, that's interesting. These are real issues. We have the insanity plea where if people plead insanity, then they and they successfully they don't go to jail. And perhaps for a brutal crime, perhaps for killing somebody, even maybe multiple people. We could reach a point if it continues to go this way where cops show up and they see an ongoing crime, an ongoing murder as insanity and a mental health issue. And maybe it's not treated in a more aggressive way. And instead, it's treated in a mental health like way. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, first of all, if you call the wrong one, if you if ultimately it's in your control to call to make the decision whether you call for the psych or call for the SWAT, um, maybe you make the wrong call and then you're going to get the wrong outcome. Or, yeah, maybe they'll start being trained to, like, stay out. Like, don't try to separate two dogs, you know? Like, it it is quite possible. Like, I I think there is something to this as being a combined function. Now, I think that if we restored absolute private property rights, we would have a lot less problems. If we got rid of public schools and welfare and all that kind of stuff, like, I think we would have a lot less problems. But there there are certain policy issues that we should at least discuss as there as, you know, if things are progressing in the wrong direction, which I think they are. I realized we went super long, I guess, maybe the deep dive. We'll I share the show Tuesday. So it is share the show Tuesday. So let me uh, just tell you about some of these meetups that are on my radar. These are the higher side chat meetups. And um, I just I love that show. I love those people. So if you're interested, there's one. There are two on Saturday, January 8th. At se- one is at 7 p.m. at the Great Lost Bear on Forest Avenue in Portland, Maine. And there's one at 7.30 Saturday night at Chaos Brewing on Main Street in Joplin, Missouri. And then there are THC meetups, uh, one on Sunday, January 9th at 2 o'clock. It's in Raleigh, North Carolina at the Raleigh Brewing Company. And I already know three of my North Carolina moms or gals are going to that. So... Go for we that. We had a North Carolina mom at the meetup in Fayetteville, Georgia. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, we've got there. There's like, a, you know, a swarm forming. I love it. And there's a couple of no agenda meetups. I mean, I think that that's probably real uh, like minded people. There's one at three o'clock on Saturday, January 8th at Arroy Thai Cuisine on Government Street in Mobile, Alabama, Mobile. Mobile, Alabama, and one at 3.33 p.m. You're going to like that. At the Cheesecake Factory on Rosemary Avenue in West Palm Beach, Florida. We know a lot of people in Florida. And then there's also a couple of no agenda meetups on Sunday, January 9th. One at noon at Celebration Park in Naples, Florida. And one at 3 o'clock in the Wild Boar Mountains in the Netherlands. Okay, so that probably went too long also. I'll button it up. Sounded like a commercial. It's not a commercial. Just trying to expand the community and give people an opportunity to meet each other in meat space. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform at the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content I was telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and check out our tiers there and find the one that's right for you. We will talk to y'all 
tomorrow or in the DNBXR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.